and welcome to Creog Review Corner. I am Matt. And I'm Laura. And today we are going to be talking about Practice Bulletin 165. And this title is Prevention and Management of Obstetrical Lacerations at Vaginal Delivery. Now, when I was first reading this, Laura, I thought it was a little bit comical because one of the acronyms they use is OASIS. Now, when I picture OASIS, I think of a nice island with palm trees and blue water. You don't think of third and fourth degree lacerations? No, I do not think of those. So OASIS is the uh, acronym for obstetrical anal sphincter injuries. So it's not the blue water and palm trees that uh, comes to mind when you first think of it. Yeah, sorry to break it to everybody. So the first and most important part when talking about um, any laceration is probably the anatomy. That's the most important thing to go over, especially as an intern, and it's good to review as a senior. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot remember the number of times I've been quizzed on that as a junior. Um, So the perineal body is primarily made up of the bulbocavenosis, bulbospongiosis, and the pubococcygeus, as well as the superficial and deep transverse perineae, perineal membrane, external anal sphincter, posterior vaginal musculature, and the puborectalis. And just as a reminder, your external anal sphincter is your skeletal muscle, which is under voluntary control, and the internal anal sphincter is smooth muscle, which is under autonomic control and controls 80% of the resting pressure of your sphincter. So, Laura, last year during CREOGS, when they put up the picture of just the muscles and asked what they were, which anal sphincter tightened a little bit on each of us? Oh, my God, that was the external. (laughs) All right. It's also very important to know that anywhere between 53 and 79% of women will sustain a laceration at the time of vaginal delivery. And these um, are classified as, uh, I'm sure everybody has heard, first, second, third, and fourth. And the third degree lacerations are subdivided into 3A, 3B, and 3C. Perfect. So a lot of times our patients will say, after the baby comes out and they've asked how much the baby's weighed, despite not being on a scale, they always ask, the next thing is, did I tear? And so obviously we're not going to say, yeah, you tore first or second degree, because most people don't know what that is. But when you're turning to the attending and saying she tore a third degree or she tore a fourth degree, this kind of sets off alarm bells that a little more attention needs to be paid than the typical second degree or first degree. Yeah, this makes the external anal sphincter tighten a little bit too. (laughs) So first degree... Obviously, it just involves the skin only. And we'll go in a little bit later on in the podcast as to what you're going to do in order to repair these based on the degree. The second degree involves the muscles that we previously talked about, but excludes the anal sphincter. I think the best way to listen to this podcast is to pull up a picture of the muscles that make up the perineal body so that you can go through them and remember what include what is included. Absolutely. So then we go to our third degree. So 3A involves less than 50% of the external sphincter. 3B involves more than 50% of the external sphincter. And 3C involves both the internal and external sphincters. And a fourth degree goes all the way through and involves the anal epithelium. And it's important to note that the incidence of third degree lacerations is approximately 3% and um, fourth degrees is approximately 1% which doesn't sound like a lot until you remember that you do 5,000 deliveries at your hospital a year, so you're bound to see a couple now and then. So Matt, what are some of the risk factors for um, a severe perineal injury? Laura, 
a lot of times I forget the list of risk factors to go through. So whenever I think of severe perineal laceration risks, I just have this person in mind. Okay. So she's Asian. She's a primate. And she comes in for augmentation or induction. Okay. While getting her epidural, she turns and says, Doc, I know this baby's in the OP position, and my mom had a really bad laceration as well. How bad do you think my laceration's going to be? So then I turn to her and I say, you know, with a midline episiotomy and your forceps delivery, you got a high risk. Ooh, at that point, I might just opt for a cesarean section if you told me that. Um, So... Every single point in that story that I went through is a risk factor. Absolutely. Um, And so some things that may prevent severe perineal injuries. Um, Perineal massage hasn't really been shown to support this view. And no, please don't just spray Pam on it and hope for the best. Um, Manual perineal support, which we do at all of our deliveries, also hasn't actually been shown to decrease the number of perineal lacerations. However, warm compresses during pushing are effective at reducing your third and fourth degree lacerations. But don't, um, <clears throat> don't increase your rates of having an intact perineum at delivery. Um, varying birth positions has been shown to help. So lateral birthing position with delayed pushing. Um, and delayed pushing is defined as at least one hour of full dilation prior to starting your pushing. So there is a lot to be said for laboring down. So episiotomy is the next section that they talk about and whether it helps reduce the severity of the laceration or not. And depending on what attending you talk to and what time frame they trained, you'll get differing stories. I know research has gone back and forth on this as well. Currently, they say that um, while episiotomy is performed to decrease it, um, it's not always supported at this point. So it's kind of fallen out of favor. So it's good to remember with episiotomies, you should individualize care. Absolutely. So um, at this point, routine episiotomies are no longer recommended. So just sticking with what you think is best. Just of note, if you do cut an episiotomy, mediolateral um, episiotomies are associated with less anal sphincter trauma. So just to go over that real quick, a mediolateral episiotomy extends at least 60 degrees from the midline towards the ischial tuberosity, whereas a midline um, extends about 0 to 25 degrees from the sagittal plane. Okay, so now we get to the fun part. How do we repair these lacerations on the patient? So if it's small, just remember, a lot of these won't require any repair, whether that's with suture or glue of any sort, surgical glue. Um, Make sure that it's not bleeding and that the anatomy is not distorted. But if these two things are not there, leave it alone. Yeah, so if it's bleeding, please repair it. Um, of note, too, with these first degrees, sometimes you'll have a first degree periurethral or periclitoral or labial tear. Um, if they aren't bleeding or disfiguring, just leave them alone. They'll heal fine, and you'll probably cause more pain and possibly disfiguration if you try to um, repair them. For the second degree tears, this is kind of the bread and butter of what we always repair, right? I mean, that's... A lot of times what we're doing. So as as we all know, remember, use absorbable synthetic suture. You can use it running, locking, or interrupted. So for the anal mucosa, remember, you want to use 3.0 or 4.0 absorbable suture. Um, And some even advise a second layer for the muscularis layer. And so now we're going to go on to the anal sphincter repair. So basically, there are two ways you can do this. You can either do an end-to-end repair, which 
puts the two torn ends back together, or an overlapping repair, which, as you might guess, overlaps. Now, the overlapping repair is not recommended for 3A tears or partial th thickness 3B tears. Um, however, for um, the overlapping repairs, there was shown to be a lower incidence of fecal incontinence and fecal urgency, um, but there was no difference in dyspruenia, perineal pain, or fetal incontinence at 12 months between both groups. And there was no change in the quality of life or anal incontinence symptoms uh, three years after the repair. If you're doing this, please give extra antibiotics. There is poop down there. And normally the GI guys recommend using cefoxitin at the time of Oasis repair. One dose. So there are always complications after anything in some page, patients. So it's no surprise that there are complications sometimes with Oasis repairs. So wound breakdown, as you could think, is probably the highest. It actually is the highest at 25%. You can also get infection, which is why we use the single dose of prophylactic antibiotics. And then also you can get a fistula. So it's decreasing when we're not using the episiotomy, but it's still there. And approximately 9% of rectovaginal fistulas are associated with obstetric trauma. So you've repaired your, your oasis. Now what? So first things first, obviously pain control. It's going to hurt. Um, best things you can do are topical lidocaine ice packs. I know we have these nice, basically giant ice-filled pads, which are amazing, according to our moms. And um, one thing about that pain control is to try to not give them opioids if at all possible. If they need them, that's fine, but we really need to avoid is constipation. So definitely colace daily for all of the patients, probably up to twice a day if they need opioids for pain control. Um, and also just keep an eye out for um, urinary retention or possible UTIs if you had any anterior lacerations. Perfect. So with these as well, you're going to want to make sure they come into the office a little bit early. Uh, make sure you're following them for these complications that can happen. I know you had a patient that showed up to the emergency department early in the morning. Yeah, um, I don't think you ever forget the moment when your chief does a rectal and her finger pops right into the vagina. So follow up early and often to make sure everything is healing well. Um, so for these patients, when they have repeat um, pregnancies, some of them will ask, well, doc, should I have a C-section with this one? So obviously if the patient is requesting a C-section or if she has a lot of psychological trauma from her previous tear, then absolutely yes. The other indications for it would be if the patient has anal incontinence, probably a good idea to recommend that as well as any wound infection or breakdown. It's probably a better idea just to avoid that area altogether. So perfect. I think we went over Oasis, how to repair it what you're looking for. I, the only thing that I would strongly recommend is, again, opening up a picture, looking at the anatomy so that you can have it in your head. I know this is a big Creog question. Always revolve around these types of uh, anatomy questions. Oh, so. man, those diagrams. All right. So once again, I'm Matt. I'm Laura. And don't drop the baby. <laughs>